0: Everybody and welcome back to For Real, your podcast about documentaries. I'm Special K. I'm
1: um, Matt, and here we go
0: yet again. Matt, how are you?
1: I'm good, man. It's been a it's been a week. Uh, you know, applying for some other job for some new jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a, a doctor's appointment yesterday that uh, you know didn't go fantastic. Well, um,
0: are you dying? Are you dying at an accelerated rate? I guess I should say.
1: Well, I uh, I don't know about that, but uh, the doctor was like, uh, she's a new doctor. I hadn't had her before. She was like, uh, had kind of a thicker accent. She was Asian. Okay. And uh, she goes, uh, you've gained eight pounds since last year. And I said, yep. And she goes, you're so young but she's so big. (laughs) And I was like, God damn, you could have just left it at the eight pounds. I'm aware. Thank Uh, you. Also, I got out of the military eight years ago and I'm 20 pounds heavier than, than I was when I, when I got out of the military and was in the prime, like prime condition. So (laughs) get off my junk lady. (laughs) So anyway, I'm going to start exercising and dieting. There There you go. Because
0: I'm so big. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, God, lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and listen, it's the holiday season, so now it's going to be even harder, right? Yeah. Uh, got Thanksgiving coming up, Christmas. Those are all landmines and the path to weight loss for sure. Um, we just got off of Halloween, all the Halloween candy and goodies and snacks. Yeah,
1: I got a kid, man. I've been stealing her candy left and right. Yeah, did you guys, did you go trick-or-treating? We did. Yeah, my daughter painted my face up like a zombie. I don't know if I sent you a picture of that. She did a, a great job. And uh, we went trick-or-treating first with her little cousin and then with her, uh, what was there six of them? Yeah, six other cousins oh, wow. on the other side of the family. We went trick-or-treating in my neighborhood.
0: Dude, it and, was like crazy busy out there.
1: Yeah. See, I, I never have that. We always get like all this candy, but we're at the end of like a dead-end street. And they don't walk down here at at one point I see this huge group of kids like crossing the street at the end of this, at the end of the block. And my wife goes, like runs out to the porch and goes, Hey, we have candy. And I was like, what are you doing? Don't shout that at children. (laughs) I was like, these kids going to end up in a milk carton and they're going to come looking for you You need to to stop shouting at kids. You're like one step away from a panel van. All right.
0: (laughs) Uh, we had more or treaters this year than ever before and we go all out typically um, with decorations and stuff. We have one little kid as he's walking up, he said, he asked his parents, are we in the movies? And I was like, <laughs> yes. Like that is the highest praise I've ever gotten for a Halloween decoration. Yes. Yeah, so I'm glad we could uh, make Halloween uh, special. I, I wanted to, I kept trying to
1: remember to drive past your house because I know like I feel like it's weird because you don't really decorate that much for Christmas outside.
0: No, no. We or still, anything else.
1: But like Halloween, you and your wife just go f- bananas.
0: Listen, it's, it's a weather thing. All right. I'll tell you right now, because the first year we were here in this house, we, we decorated more and it was nice, but they stayed up till like mid February because the weather was just shit. And I yeah. wasn't going to go out there and freeze my ass off. I mean, it's cold enough putting it up. Well, by the time Christmas is over and taking it down, it's like even worse. Yeah. Um, and, so now it's like every year like we have like plans on doing more for Christmas, but we scale it back every year more and more. So like we have like one light thing we're going to put up this year, I think. Uh, and that's, that's all we do. Halloween, we we go we enjoy it because usually it's a little warmer out. But like the mm-hmm. day, like I had my shit down the day after Halloween. The day after Halloween, November 1st, my yard was completely cleaned up. All of it gone because the weather was just, it's like I'm not fucking around. I yeah, got no cold I- tolerance.
1: I I don't either. And I got, I got to you know, you know how small my garage is, right? Mm -hmm. I got to, I got to empty it out so I can find a place to put my new riding mower. And uh, I just keep thinking like, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do it today. And I'm like, it's, I'm cold. I don't want to do it. (laughs) But then I'm like, dude, it's just going to get colder for like the next six months. Get, you need to do it. But I don't, I don't have the willpower.
0: (laughs) Nah, just put it in the back and throw a tarp over. It'll be fine.
1: Honestly, it looks like it's 40 years old. So it's got like three, three pieces I have to worry about breaking and I can just replace any of them. So it's not like I'm overly concerned about it. I mean, this thing, this thing runs on like, uh, you have to like crank the engine. It's, it's fine. You know, as as long as you don't break the part that attaches to the horse, it's okay.
0: Yeah. It's the, uh, it's the lawnmower that beat the Nazis.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This thing is, this thing is heavy duty and it is loud, (laughs) but it was free, which is just in my price range.
0: Yeah. It's perfect price. Mm Mm-hmm uh yeah so let's let's get into it before we get to today's documentary i just want to do a quick little talk about docs in the news a little segment we got kind of sprinkled in here or there so the only one i want to talk about real quick i want to cover just for our listeners if they haven't heard about it, i'm sure they have there's a new documentary that came out on october 29th on netflix it's called colin in black and white it is a so it's I've, I've read that it's being characterized and marketed as a documentary. Uh, I'm also seeing that it's being listed as a biography, that it's a drama series, that it's a dramedy. I've seen it characterized a bunch of different ways. I'm only bringing it up because there are some people that are categorizing it as Colin Kaepernick's documentary. From what I've heard, though, I don't think this is a documentary. So I just want to forewarn you.
1: Isn't a biography basically a documentary, though?
0: Uh, it could be. It all depends. So a, a biopic was like, a, like, like um, it, I would say it's a documentary. It's a dramatic retelling of somebody's story. Mm. So, I mean, again, obviously they strive for accuracy, but it's certainly not supposed to be like accurate. accurate. Um, not, not
1: like Demon House.
0: Not like Demon House, you know, which is 100% yeah. truthful and honest. Yeah. This is why I, I even brought this one up, though, not just because people are talking about it. Colin Kaepernick, um, for those who aren't aware, I don't know who you are, but Colin Kaepernick, quarterback, former quarterback in the NFL, was uh, famous in some circles, infamous for taking a knee during the National Anthem. Uh, he then was not signed by anybody, any teams in the NFL. He, he believed it was collusion. He sued the league. They ended up uh, settling for an undisclosed amount, which to me it would indicate we were smoked, there's fire. So they probably didn't yeah. collude to keep them out. And, um, so in this documentary, the, the quote unquote documentary or quote unquote docu-series, or I don't know how you want to call it. I guess the very beginning, he equates a professional football draft, uh, process with, uh, according to NBC news here with modern day slavery. Yes. Um, and it, they basically, make it, I guess, that so. I'm just going to read here from NBC News real quick. So, as the first episode opens, a flurry is I'm quoting from NBC News. At first, as the first episode opens, a flurry of football players portrayed by black actors are seen charging across a field in front of white coaches. Quote Kaepernick, what they don't want you to understand is that what's being established is a power dynamic. End quote. Kaepernick, dressed in all black, says. Before they put you on the field, teams poke prod and examine you searching for any defect that might affect your performance. He continues, No boundary respect, no dignity left intact. And then the scene reportedly transitions to an open market in America's slavery era where oh. the players, shirtless and shackled, are then sold before one of the slave-, slave owners shakes hands with a football coach, merging past with present. I mean, listen, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, so I'm going to withhold my entire judgment. But just based on that alone, this sounds fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it sounds yeah. absolutely absurd.
1: Uh, listen, w- when I was trying to get into the military, I was stripped down to my underwear in front in a gr- room full of other young men. And we had to do like exercises and stuff in front of these doctors. So they could see if there's something wrong with us. Also. I met a doctor for approximately five seconds and she said, drop your pants and underwear. And she groped my testicles and checked to make sure that there was nothing wrong on the uh, rear side either. So my sympathies are a little low because I didn't get a couple million dollars afterwards. Yeah. Uh, I just got sent to BMT or basic training and uh, then, you know, used as as basically cheap labor for eight years. (laughs) So my sympathies are low
0: yeah i just again i I might catch this one just because it is getting so much um heat but from what i'm hearing about it i first of all i wouldn't categorize as a documentary i think that this is being miscategorized in the news and the media as a documentary and then number two it just it kind of it sounds absurd to me i guess yeah it's that part that that that
1: part alone just irritates the shit out of me it
0: sounds absurd i mean listen i I, I was a supporter of his decision to do whatever the hell he wants to do to the national anthem. I don't yes. care what a, I, what a football player does during national anthem because uh, spoiler alert folks, the NFL is not America. <laughs> they're, they're not soldiers. Yeah. Don't represent us. They are just football players playing a sport, playing a child's game for money. All right. At a high also, level. And it's impressive. Don't get me wrong. They're incredible, but let's get real here.
1: Also on, on that note, these people, have taken take so much damage to their brains during their entire lives training for this moment. Why would you put yourself in a position where you question their decisions <laughs> or, or like, why would you say, what's the rationale behind that? Well, he's got his fucking brain is looks like a, a raisin that got stepped on. All right. Like, and I'm not, like I said, I'll, I just want to be clear here. I respect his decision to kneel during the the national anthem that took a lot of balls, but I also would never, I don't know how to say like honor somebody that is in a position where they take multiple head injuries on a regular basis for money and be like, you know what their decisions, I need to question and examine every part of it. (laughs) All right. It just doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Yeah. I think people made a whole, whole lot of, whole lot of story out of something that who, I mean, listen, if he brings light to things, that's good, I guess. If he's drawing attention to the right things, that's good. I guess that was the whole point. But at the same time, it's like, come on, folks. Yeah. Um, anyway, anywho. So that's Docs the News. Check it out. Colin and black and white on Netflix. Today's documentary, however, that we're going to be covering is also on Netflix. Uh, today's documentary is called Why Did You Kill Me? It was released in 2021 on Netflix. It is one hour, 23 minutes long. And the uh, summary on IMDb is the line between justice and revenge blurs when a devastated family uses social media to track down the people who killed 24-year-old Crystal Theobald. So getting into this documentary here, first and foremost, I just want to point out, if you haven't seen this one yet you might not understand kind of what we're talking about as far as the family goes, some of the, some of the characters involved in this story. I There's just want to a say lot
1: off, of characters. Trust me.
0: I just want to say off the bat, just on the very jump here, at the very beginning, um, cause I don't want to, I don't want to sound um, insensitive or anything like that during this recording. Listen, Crystal Theobald's death, her murder was tragic and it was sad and it's unfortunate that it happened. Okay. That being said, there isn't a likable person in this entire fucking documentary, other than her yeah. and maybe her niece. Co- yeah, her niece or her cousin, cousin. Yeah, I guess it was her cousin, whoever it was. Other, other than these two, uh, no. I, I this is the, the most unlikable cast of people I've ever seen assembled for. Wait,
1: except for that pizza guy one, or oh, the yeah. the bank robbery one. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. This, that's evil,
1: what it reminded me of. Evil genius. Uh, evil genius. That's exactly what it reminded me of. I'm like, I hate everybody in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's not a single person that I would, I would care if they got ran over by a train tomorrow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not, I'm not even sure. Did you catch what year this occurred in? So this, this, this isn't that long ago. But I think it was 2006 or so. I would say like it was that.
1: 2005, 2006.
0: Okay, so this is back in the heyday. The documentary is, is um, center, centered around MySpace. Just to let you know like how far back we're talking here. MySpace is at the crux. It's the social media platform that's at the, the crux of the uh, investigation here into this murder. So essentially, just to break it down, what happens is Crystal Theobald and her family are in two vehicles. And they're driving down the road past like this intersection down the street from their house. And as they're crossing through this intersection, there's a white Ford Explorer that's pulled over onto the road. And as they're driving past it, I guess the, the vehicle starts slowing down a little bit. And then somebody starts firing a weapon, a gun at the car that Crystal's in. And one round, uh, at least one round, uh, shatters the back window and hits Crystal in the back of the head. And, uh, and she ends up dying. So the entire documentary is based around this murder, this this girl's murder. Um, again, like I said, tragic and sad, and it shouldn't have happened. After after this murder, there's obviously the investigation, and from from the very beginning, I didn't have a lot of faith that this was ever going to get like solved correctly. Yeah. Um, just because, well, let's just start out with. The whole thing starts out with Crystal's mother, whose name is uh, Belinda. I, actually, I'm gonna say her full name. Let me look this up real quick. Belinda Lane. I just want to throw her name out there because she's she's worthy. She starts out by saying that she didn't call the cops, so she didn't want to cooperate with the cops. She doesn't like the cops, and yeah. in fact, she lied to the cops.
1: <laughs> the whole fam, the whole family was. <laughs> so, yeah, they they all of them were like. Uh, even the cops were like, they wanted to settle this themselves. And like, there was obvious they're keeping information to themselves because I, the whole family is full of criminals. <laughs> All right. <laughs> not like, not like, Oh, he stole a Snickers bar from the, like the, the Kmart or Walmart or whatever. These people are like grand theft auto assault assault with a deadly weapon uh, selling, selling uh, meth. Like yep. this is like, these, these are not like your low key criminals these are like all of them except for as far as i know belinda had a pretty shady past not no i'm sorry not belinda did
0: yeah belinda had a record
1: belinda had a record for selling meth
0: yeah
1: and dealing and or for dealing meth and for doing it crystal as far as we know was the only one that did not have a record yeah the victim were pretty yeah
0: yeah the victim so (sighs) (laughs) So I'm, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to add this. So I do want to say this about the documentary. It is incredibly difficult to follow because there's so much fucking nonsense. And the story is so they make it so overcomplicated for what actually happened.
1: So yeah.
0: I'm, I'm just going to break down what happened without telling you exactly who it is. And we'll, we'll go through it. All right. So here's what happened. Crystal has an older brother who's interviewed in the documentary named Robbie. Robbie was sitting out in front of their house in a white Ford uh, Expedition. All right, and as he's sitting there, another white Ford Expedition comes down the street and stops, and is kind of like, you know, positioned weirdly in the street. I guess is suspicious to Robbie. So Robbie's initial reaction is to flashes brights. Now when they, that doesn't do anything to the other car, he decides to gun it and then run from this car. And so he swerves around and almost hits it or whatever. So then this other Ford White Expedition starts chasing Robbie in his White Expedition. So they play a little cat and mouse in the neighborhood, and Robbie ends up losing him. So then the second White Expedition goes back to that spot, and as it's sitting there, that's when um, Belinda, in one car, and then her son, I didn't catch the other son's name, but crystal's other brother and crystal or like, had second, number two yeah, in this other car following the mom as they're driving past white expedition belinda and the the i believe the son her second, other son who was driving slow down past this white expedition i don't have to check them out see what they're up to i'm not sure but as they approach this vehicle somebody outside the vehicle starts shooting at the car that uh, crystal is in and that's when they speed off and crystal ends up getting shot So that's what, that's what happened. The problem is, like I said, they lied to the cops initially because they first said that Robbie, the older brother wasn't around. The cops had gotten reports that there were two white expeditions in the area. They didn't want, the family didn't want the cops to know that Robbie was in one of the four expeditions that were in the area that was involved in the situation. They tried to hide that from the police. Okay. I don't know why, unless Robbie is an absolute shithead who was up to no good as well. Why, Why would you hide that? You're, the one thing I I kept going back to when I was watching this whole documentary, I was like, "Your daughter slash sister was murdered. Why wouldn't you be doing everything you possibly could to assist in the investigation?"
1: Well, I think their their theory was they're the they would hear on the streets what happened, what actually happened, and then they'd solve it themselves. Honestly, so guys, I was supposed to lead this episode, uh, and I called Kay here, and I was like bro. I don't know what the fuck happened initially. Like, I know she got shot, but I cannot figure out the situation because there were so many fake stories and then like assumptions. And I, I lost, I like, I rewound it, rewound it like six times. I'm like, I don't understand what happened here. Like how many Ford expeditions were there? Like how many white Ford expeditions were there? Like, why was this happening? How did they get here? It was also like convoluted and confusing that i was just i, I told Kay i i'm like bro i don't i don't even know what happened and he what, said he, he'd run with it
0: and what's funny is the very beginning and kind of throughout to kind of keep cutting back to this they had like a diorama made of like the neighborhood of like a, a to scale diorama of the neighborhood with the cars and the individual people and the, yeah i mean they had like this whole mock setup thing done and i, I imagine it was probably for the documentary itself um, or maybe it's for the court case i'm not sure but in any respect, it is used in the documentary. They show it in the documentary uh, with some like nice lighting, nice nighttime lighting, and stuff like that. And you have like the mom, Belinda, trying to explain to you what happened because she was there when it happened. And even with like the diorama, it's still so fucking confusing. And it's they, they, I think they do it confusing on purpose because the actual the full story they could have just like came out and said, but they got to make a story out of it. You know what I mean? So
1: it, 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 it what happened was not like it wasn't it was that terrible. Wild. Yeah, I was just gonna say it wasn't as interesting as they made it out to be. Like yeah. it's they made, terrible. They, they made a meal of it. Yeah. So so Crystal was just a an innocent bystander, honestly. Like she yeah. didn't didn't do anything wrong, was just heading out with her brothers to the store. And she obviously didn't, you know, have this coming in any way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But they like they made it sound like there was so much, so many things happening that led up to this. It was just one thing, a weird interaction between two cars. One car chases the other car. The chaser loses him, goes back to where he started, and then they run at each other again, and then somebody shoots. Yeah,
0: yeah, basically. So and I, the, the 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 big like uh, what makes this story kind of um, different or interesting, I guess, in the eyes of the documentary makers here, is what the family did uh, to try to track down Crystal's killers. Now, they did contribute, so I, I do want to say that. But then they also there's some problems with what fucked they fucked up. So partially they fuck up. So for, so this is what happens. So the family decides that because they don't want to help, they don't want the cops to find the killers. They want to find the killers themselves. You know, they just street justice kind of vigilante bullshit. And so Belinda, Crystal's mom, enlists the help of Crystal's 14 year old cousin. Okay? which is this, this young think- girl the which second is, most fucked up
1: thing to happen in this documentary
0: which is insanity
1: and that's terrible
0: and she because I, I think what happens is that she is told by um by somebody either another cousin or somebody that hey like all these gang members and this gang is called 5150 in riverside california i guess is one of the many gangs in the area and they tell her like hey all these guys are on myspace like they all have myspace profiles so if you wanted to figure out who they were you could do it on there and i think I believe one of them. Um, somebody tipped her off to a possible suspect, who it possibly could have been. And when they take this to the police, the police do like a photo lineup, and Belinda falsely identifies a kid uh, who is a child. By the way, I mean he. Yeah. He he's like just, a. I I, can't, I don't I don't think he was even fourteen years old. I mean he was like he yeah, sounded like, like, like a child. Child. <laughs>
1: he was like sobbing in the interrogation room and in like like high high pitched voice it was it was very it was very uncomfortable i was like well if he did it i mean i guess i'm glad that they caught him but like he's a fucking kid like what are they going to do
0: yeah
1: and then well, it's like oh yeah he's he's not he's not the guy and i was yeah. like well that's good but you know i that's good and also we know now that trusting a former meth head uh, who yeah, trusting. I'll I'll leave the spoiler till the end.
0: Well, it's so, listen. It's just like <clears throat> so she falsely IDs this kid, and then she kind of acts like indignant at the fact that like the, well the cops say apparently like they couldn't use me because um, I falsely identified I falsely somebody identified else. somebody. It's like yeah, motherfucker, you you <laughs> you were gonna let a kid go to get the death penalty potentially for killing your daughter. You <laughs> identified. You said you were like 100 confident he had a rock out alibi. It 100 wasn't him. That's insanity. Yeah. That's fucking nuts.
1: I, I couldn't believe they're questioning this kid, and he didn't have a lawyer in the room. He didn't have his parents in the room. It was just a detective and this kid. The detective's questioning him, and I was like,
0: "Is that? I, is that? I don't even think that's legal, is it?" Uh, it was back then. It might not be now. Every every state's different. I think They don't think there's like standard rules. I think it's a state by state basis. In some areas, you can for sure. Oh, I'm sure a child with nobody around. Well,
1: I'm sure in some in some places, you know, you can just give them the belt right there and it would be <laughs> fine. But uh, you know, is it, never never mind. I was just, I was just, <laughs> I was just gonna say, never mind. Just go, just go. I, I had something that was terrible, and uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put words out in the ether.
0: Okay. Um, so anyway, so. So, so, like I said, Belinda enlists the help of her her young, her 14-year-old niece, I guess, to create a fake profile on MySpace and to essentially catfish these gang members and try to gain their trust so that they can get information out of them as far as, like, who drives what car and who might have been there and who's, who's involved in what and who had what information. So you've got this fucking fourteen-year-old who's pretending to be an adult with these adult men who are gay. I mean, I can only imagine the conversations they were having with this uh, fourteen-year-old girl. Yeah, profile was were just outrageous.
1: She she made up a fake name and a fake profile. She stole a a picture off the internet Mm -hmm. to use as the fake profile picture. It was like some like attractive Latina girl, Mm -hmm. and she's like very flirty with these these guys and i was just like what like okay so obviously belinda who's her aunt is trash uh where are her actual parents at are they also trash like is everybody okay with this like who because these are gang members so you're you're potentially putting her life at risk And she's 14 so she shouldn't be in that position anyway
0: well, no, even if it was just to pretend to be a, an adult, just to have a conversation, but she, she made it very clear that her goal was to get these guys to want her and to like, love her. In fact, she ends up making two profiles. So she has the first profile, which is like the party girl, like, you know, down for whatever kind of girl.
1: That's Angel. Then she, angel.
0: And then she that, ends up. No, no, that's not Angel. Angel's the second one. Angel. So she ends up making a second profile using her sister's picture, Crystal. To- no,
1: no, no. Her, no. I'm sorry. Crystal is her cousin.
0: Yeah, her cousin. Yeah, Crystal is her cousin. Yeah, I'm sorry. So but so Angel is the name that she uses, but she uses Crystal's picture. You know, and she, she does say at different times in the documentary how difficult that was to pretend to be her deceased cousin uh, with a fake name, obviously a different name, how taxing that was. Yeah, i, I imagine that would be tough to do for a 14 year old child
1: <laughs> i imagine it'd be tough to do if you're an adult like you're 14 you, you don't even have a you don't have even like an identity yet so like th- this kind of thing is just it like i, I looked at it and, and Belinda like even in the documentary which was more recent seemed so like okay with what she had done and I was just like you you are a garbage person like mm-hmm. i can't i can't imagine having a 14 year old do that for me and it, because like i said these are gang members if they found out or she slipped up somehow or like she told somebody and it got around like her life is lit, could literally be in jeopardy mm-hmm. and she goes to school with some of these people
0: mm-hmm.
1: and her aunt's just like oh yeah um go ahead and do that for your dead cousin which is sad but like you don't risk a, another 14 year old's life over a dead person it's
0: or at least have these brothers these adult brothers have them do it you know what i mean like because i know the whole thing was the mom wasn't computer literate they didn't know she know how to do it well have one of the fucking brothers do it they're adults they could do their men they could pretend to be a woman on they freaking myspace listen they had they
1: had face tattoos they didn't even look like they were just literate much less computer literate so (laughs) i mean it's that's that's a that's a questionable motive they might have gone with with the niece as she was the one that was least likely to be high and could read. <laughs> and that, that put her at the top of the lineup.
0: So <clears throat> at, at, under her her alias, her, her it angel, which is the, the cousin, the sweet profile, the, the deceased cousin's profile, she ends up catfishing this guy. I didn't catch his actual name, but he goes by the name Jokes. Is his, like, street name. So,
1: Sotelo, right?
0: I have no idea. I honestly have no clue what their names are. The names no. are so hard okay. for me to follow.
1: Uh, so, okay, so this, yeah, okay, so
0: I'll, I'll, his name was William Sotelo. Okay, so, yeah, he's jokes. So he ends up, he ends up, like, quote, unquote, falling in love with this MySpace profile.
1: Mm. Ear- early, early social media love. And we, We've he, all been there.
0: He ends up um, in conversation admitting that he drives a white Ford Expedition. All right. So they Belinda and the family take this information to the police who was doing the investigation, and they end up bringing him in uh, for an interview. And this is when the cops find out that the family's running this whole MySpace operation. And in the, in the documentary, the, the, the detective who was in charge, um, his name was Rick, Rick Wheeler, Detective Rick Wheeler, um, who, aside from you know the young cousin who ran the MySpace stuff, well, I'm not gonna say she wasn't. She wasn't unlikable. She just, you know, I just feel bad. She's in a tough situation.
1: She's she's very clearly damaged by the experience. This,
0: this detective is also, uh, his personality is, is like he's a nice guy and he seems yeah. very competent. Whatever the problem I have with him is this motherfucker could be. A brother to donald trump jr he looks exactly like donald trump jr. it is so fucking <laughs> unsettling to me when i was watching this shit i was like this motherfucker looks exactly like jr it's uncanny it's unfucking believable <laughs> i'm not if you i'm not joking if you're listening to this pause and look up the why did you kill me imdb and look at rick wheeler and tell me that's not a fucking thumbnail of Fucking Donald Trump Jr. Jesus. pretending to be a, a Riverside homicide detective. That's spitting image, man. It's a, a carbon copy. It's crazy. Ugh. That so that was all in my brain the entire time. So that, that's why I didn't <laughs> like. That's why I didn't like him. Um. Anyway, so the, so they end up bringing this jokes guy in, and he admits to being there. He admits that was his car and he was driving. However, and and he actually snitches in a sense. He says technically, that, yeah. It was his friend, a co gang member, who goes by the name Lil Lil Wero. And I think, did you catch his real name? It's, um,
1: no, Julio, um,
0: Julio Her, Hereda, I think, or something like that, something like that.
1: Little Huero, uh, no, 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 I didn't write it down. Little,
0: little Huero is uh, identified as being the shooter. However, Jokes says that he, Lil Wero started shooting because somebody else started shooting at his car. At yeah. his, at his Ford Expedition, which the, as the police point out, is unsubstantiated. His car got hit exactly zero times. They also find no other indications that anybody else fired a gun at this during this incident. But in any case, Lil Wero is identified by at least Jokes as the shooter. And then the document gets in the 50-50, 5150 gang, kind of talked about that kind of stuff. Um, Which is
1: this is the gang that was in that neighborhood? It's yeah, the 5150 gang. The uh, little Howero yeah. was part of it. William Sotelo was part of it. Like all these guys that were catfishing on MySpace were part of it. Mm-hmm. And, and the word on the street at that point was that 5150 had done the shooting.
0: Right. That's what all the information was. So Belinda, essentially, because they let they let jokes go, they end up letting him walk because I forget why the cops said they let him walk. I think it's because they, they told him, they promised him they'd let him go after they talked to him. That's how we cooperated. So they had to let yeah, him go. Yeah, something like that. Promise. Oh, okay. So they Which, let him walk and he ends, running, he ends up running away. He disappears. Yeah. And uh, the, the mom, Belinda, gets mad and she ends up taking over the MySpace from the uh, the cousin. And she loses her fucking mind
1: wait 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 wait! no wait no because she talked to sotelo on myspace
0: yeah that's when he disappeared after he gets out the cops the cops stop him the cops because the cops um the cops uh but
1: no i mean like belinda was on myspace and got the cops involved at that point she she one of the her last message to him was do you love me and he 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 said you know i do and she said we'll say it and he said he texts back, "I love you," and she said,
0: "Then why did you kill me?" Yeah, I think I think that was after he talked to the cops, though. I think he spoke to the police, and then she found out that they let him walk. So he mess. She messaged him on MySpace. That's when he, she said, "I'm my name's Crystal Theobald. Why did you kill me?" Or whatever. And then he just then he logged off and unfriended her, and then he disappeared. Yeah, then he ran off. I think. Man, well, I think mean, that's a fact check, but um, what the timeline there? But at any rate. The mom takes over the MySpace, and they're taking over the, the MySpace from the cousin, and she, she goes crazy, all right? So she starts... Like,
1: real crazy. Uh,
0: she starts uh, getting like, super aggressive, like, in her messaging, which, if you have these fake profiles, and the, the cousin's trying to play sweet this entire time, now all of a sudden like I can only imagine that the like just the sentence structure and the word choices and the punctuation like just the style changed so dramatically from a 14 year old girl to this who 40 something year old meth head.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And she's just, you know, they go from this like sweet persona to this like one where she's pumping everybody for information on what kind of car they drive. And if they have any siblings and like, just getting all this information. And she said, when she'd get this information, she would call, she'd like call the FBI and call ice to try to get them deported. And she was just doing like all this, like said, anything she could do to mess with them. She was doing, she was dropping off like voodoo dolls in their lawns and like Mm -hmm. all kinds of meth head, crazy, crazy shit.
0: Well, I mean, and she essentially tries to instigate a fucking gang war. Yeah. So starts, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, she she yeah. starts in telling like other gangs, like, hey, 5150 says you guys ain't shit. And come get me. I, I drive a I live at this address. I drive a Ford a white expedition. Come get me, or whatever. So much so that the, the cops called her. It was like, listen, <laughs> there are a bunch of white Ford expeditions that are getting blown up in the area. Like you need to stop. Whatever you're doing, you gotta stop.
1: Which <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. But I was like, God, I hope nobody got killed. Like I but mean, it, it they said a bunch of what white Ford expeditions were getting like lit up, like shot and like lit on fire and blown up and like and none of them were the fucking right one.
0: Unbelievable.
1: So yeah, she's so like I- instigating a gang war and like doing all kinds of shenanigans and malarkey and, <laughs> and People's putting people's lives at risk. <laughs> and the cops are like, Hey, you really you really gotta stop doing this. That'd be great.
0: Well, and so what she does, well, and that's what any sensible person would do, would stop. You'd be like, Okay, I've gone too far, I've lost my bearings here. Let's let's that's, that's cool, yeah. that's cool. It uh, instead, she decides to set up a fake party in a on a rural road to try to draw all these gang members there at once, and she had set up to where she was gonna have like an observation area. So she can see them coming, but they can't see her watching them come. And then she was going to ambush them and kill them herself. Yeah. She had an actual like a militaristic classic pincer maneuver ambush planned out. <laughs> she was going to freaking Rambo all these gang members.
1: Set, um, up a, set up a kill box.
0: Yeah. And then she, uh, but at the last minute, she ended up calling it off and, uh, and not not going through with it because uh, she, she, don't, she don't want to do it. Oh, but then, so in my notes here, it says, but this is when, after she calls it off, she's still pissed. That's when she exposes herself to jokes as being the crystal. And that's when jokes disappears. So after she yeah. tries luring jokes out to the desert to kill him, is, is when she's like, All right, I'm not gonna kill you, but uh, and this, this is th- this is th- why I am
1: this is after she like told her sons, like, stay away from them, don't get involved, you're not gonna do any violence in my daughter's name. And then she's like, Oh yeah, I was planning to kill them the whole time. Yeah, you're I, like
0: I'm trying to instigate a gang war, and then I'm actively planning ambushes.
1: Yeah, yeah not not, not only am I trying to get somebody else to kill them, I'm setting them up so I can kill them.
0: Yeah, she's a piece of work. Listen, I'm, I, I was going to mention this earlier. I, I have to sort of hear now. Again, what happened to her daughter is tragic. And it's an unfortunate and it's sad tragedy. Yeah. Um, but like earlier in this documentary, she admits to being kind of a hellraiser in her younger days. Well, uh, in fact, she was high the day Crystal died.
1: That, yeah, that I was going to say that earlier. Yeah, she, she, she was doing meth. She claims that the day Crystal got shot was the last time she ever did meth, which I find to be horse shit because, like, you can't tell me that your daughter getting murdered is what's going to stop you from using drugs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any fucking sense. That, like, on, on a day like that, you go, you know what? I'm done with drugs. Like, the, st- the stress or the sadness all that stuff piling up you can't you're going to tell me that you've been on meth for probably 40 years or 30 years and and that was the day you stopped which is bullshit i well, if it's true good for her but i don't believe it
0: and then you look at her behavior after the shooting and it's it's, it's erratic not, yeah it's not a rational person a rational person doesn't have a 14 year old niece do this clandestine can't fish an operation on MySpace with these grown men, you know, they're, I didn't say explicitly in the, in the documentary. I got to believe that it was not, they weren't gentlemen. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'd imagine there was a lot of, uh, illicit conversation going on, which was probably inappropriate. Um, and so I, I just, I don't know. And then, you know, again, not that she doesn't deserve these bad things to happen to her or whatever, but she, she says like in the documentary, she sold a lot of meth in Riverside. She, I think she, her quote in the documentary is, and I guess I'll paraphrase, I won't quote, is that she did a lot of damage in people's lives in Riverside. Yeah. So see, it's so like how many deaths is she somewhat responsible for in Riverside? How many people OD'd on the shit she was selling or well, whatever, or who got killed over drugs? She Who knows? You know what I mean? So I don't know, man. It's just again, it's shit bags on top of shit bags here, but yeah,
1: shit bags making more shit bags.
0: <laughs> so the the police end up figuring out kind of who the circle of friends is and the 5150 gang here, and they bring in these two brothers. They bring in these two brothers, and uh one I just wrote down Fedora because he's wearing a fucking fedora during this yeah. thing. I think it was to conceal his identity. He had a fedora
1: um, and sunglasses on, but like the rest of his face was exposed. You're like, hey, man, the whole Batman approach that doesn't it doesn't actually work like you have very distinctive mustache, like facial hair type stuff going on. And also, uh, I don't know, it just seems stupid to me. I'm like, you might as well just come out there in front of God and everyone, because if anybody, anybody that knows you is going to recognize you.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, It's not like somebody's going to drive across the country randomly and try to find you in Los Angeles. Yeah. Even with the people in your neighborhood who watch this, You're like, hey, that's that motherfucker right there. I know that guy. Especially when everybody you associate with is in this documentary with their entire fucking names, and your name, his name is in the documentary. I don't. Yeah. What are you doing? But anyway, guess what it makes, makes you feel more comfortable. But the other brother, he just spills immediately. He's like, "This is what it was. This is what happened. I'll, I'll tell you everything." For Dora, bro, here is like, "No, nah, I'm not. I don't know anything about it. I'm not. I'm not telling you anything. I don't know really anything about it. Uh, it doesn't want to cooperate." So the cops end up letting him go, and they both take off to Los Angeles, like L.A., like the city, to, to hide because they, they know they're in trouble because the gang's going to come after them. And they said that they told their family that they should also leave Riverside. The film, Their parents didn't. And the gang ended up setting their parents' house on fire. And so the cops do a big old sweep. They end up catching little Wero. He's down in Mexico. And – the the cops show the interview of him, and he's <laughs> you could tell he's been in interrogation room before. Yeah, because he lets them say what, what he wants them to, to hear what the hell's going on, and then as soon as they start pushing him on stuff, he's like, Actually, you know what? I want a lawyer. <laughs> I just want a yeah. lawyer. <laughs>
1: yeah, he knew what he was doing. It was not his first rodeo.
0: <laughs> yeah, that guy knew he's like, I'm gonna see how much the cops have on me, see what they're trying to go. What, what I'm in trouble for here. All right, now I want a lawyer. <laughs> so I mean, listen, he did he, he did the right thing by him. He's a shitbag and he killed somebody, but he did the right thing by him. So he, he gets charged with the murder, and the state goes after the death penalty. The family, the, the mom, Belinda, Crystal's mother, and the family decide that they want to do the right thing. And so they asked the prosecutors to take the death penalty off the table. Um, because they they just they didn't think it was the right thing to do. And little where he they interviewed his family. He did have a tough childhood. It sounds like he didn't come up in the greatest environment either. Again, not to justify his actions, but there's some kind of explanation as to why he ended up on the streets. And they end up going to trial. They have the, the brothers who agree to testify. They testify. And Lil Huero gets sentenced to life in prison. Lil Huero
1: was only 17 at this. Yeah. when this happened.
0: He was little. <sighs> yeah. And um, so af- after that, the, the mom, I- I'm interested in what you think about this quote, the Belinda, the Belinda has a quote here when they're asking, they're talking about the end about Lou little going getting sent to prison. She says that justice and revenge are almost the same thing. She says the difference essentially is one of them you're on the outside and you're free and one of them you're in prison. That's the difference between justice and revenge. What do you think about that? Because I, I think there, there's a lot in our justice system, this is gonna be the serious part of the podcast there's a lot in our justice system that we call it justice, but it's not justice. it's just revenge, right
1: Yeah, like the death penalty mm-hmm. I mean uh, I mean it doesn't make any sense to be used as anything other than a punishment because what are you what are you doing? like what
0: but is punishment revenge or is it justice? Like what is justice? Depends on so the situation. To, to you, what what so the situation? What what is justice for Crystal Theobald?
1: I, I think an eye for an eye is justice.
0: Ooh, an eye for an eye.
1: Yeah. I think if if you kill somebody, then you deserve to be killed. Mm. Like obviously they're extenuating circumstances. In this situation, yeah, I think that they should just him down the guy got what do you get life in in prison with no possibility of parole
0: yeah he's gonna die in prison yeah yeah
1: so what's what's the point what why are we keeping him
0: uh yeah i mean case we made that it's essentially a death sentence right i mean you're just making him live his life in in prison in a a cage essentially
1: it's that's not justice that's just that's to me that's like being unwilling to to follow through
0: yeah, it's almost like we don't we don't want to kill you, but we'll let time do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? We'll hold you down while time kills you.
1: Exactly. Like it's it's that whole thing with the prisons needing to be kept full so they can use them for labor and whatever else. But it's like he this guy has been removed from society because he's done this completely irredeemable act. And we're never gonna allow him back into society. So why are we keeping him? Locked up within the society, what's the point?
0: Well, I guess we need- my question would be: Do you think do you, do you think he's irredeemable?
1: I think his action was irredeemable.
0: Of course, so was, there's nothing he can do to reverse that action. But as he, as a person, so essentially, I think it comes down to his value. Do we think that he has value? And I think that in a lot of cases, we look at these people, we see that, that not only do some of these people not have value, but they're actually detrimental. That they're actually yeah. they're costing more than they're worth. Not huh. just in terms of money, but just, just in terms of value to mankind, value to his existence. And if you're killing people and you're a dangerous thing, you're, you're, you're not valuable. You're actually costly for us to, to have around. But with this guy, he's 17 years old. He makes a terrible decision. You know, It wasn't that he intentionally was trying to kill her. He was intentionally trying to shoot at a car with the knowledge that what he was doing was likely to have hurt or kill somebody. So at the very least, his actions were crazy reckless. I mean, best case scenario is that they were absurdly reckless. I, Worst I case would scenario is that he was trying to the, kill somebody.
1: I'd argue that's not the first time he's used his firearm either. You don't know that. I, I
0: don't think, know. Man. You think that? You you suppose that? But you don't know that.
1: Well, Let's look, say, at one point in the documentary, they said the guy on the bike is the one that, sh- that shoots people, and it was he was the one that was on a bike.
0: Yeah, but they, again, this is word of the mouth in the streets is, is what i'm saying is is this enough even this situation is this enough to kill somebody over when you have people in the car that are saying yeah it was him but what if it was somebody else in the car what if it was one of the brothers in the back seat you try to pin it on this guy Or if it was the driver and trying to pin it on this guy or whatever because he's gone to mexico and they want to see him again
1: what if it's not what if like there's complete Okay, so I'll flip the tables on you. Okay, if you have somebody in in this situation, Mm -hmm. there's completely no question at all. This guy did the crime. Mm -hmm. Do you think
0: you're talking about absolute guilt, 100% absolute guilt? 100%, no questions asked. I think again, this would never fly in our justice system. It wouldn't. But I I honestly think that if we can, if you can determine 100% absolute guilt without it, without so not just beyond reasonable doubt, beyond all doubt. So yeah, yeah. there is no doubt whatsoever. I think that they should, the family should get to decide what happens. I think that next of kin. So whoever would get her money, whoever would inherit her estate, the next of kin, the next of kin adult um, should get, should get to decide what happens. They should get to decide the fate of the person. And see, I would, disagree,
1: I, I would disagree with that. Why? Because that's a burden.
0: Is it though? It's justice.
1: If it was that you, would be, that would be more, if it was you. If somebody did that to yours, like your sibling, mm-hmm. And then they gave you the choice. And you said in a moment of passion, I think you should kill them. That would bother you for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, But, but it's not. But my, my point is, who's the victim here? Crystal Theobald is the victim. Her family is the victim. Crystal's death has nothing to do with anybody else but them. Yeah. The society, Crystal's family, they don't owe the society anything. The, well, state I would, of Cali- the state of California has no business determining, I think, what should happen to, to whoever hurt Crystal Theobald. I think Crystal's, Crystal Theobald's family should decide what happens to the people who hurt them.
1: I would argue that it's since society is the one that's holding him, like the police, well, which are, works are for we, us.
0: But aren't we holding them on their behalf, though?
1: Yeah, I'm just saying that if they're they're the ones doing the holding, they're the ones prosecuting and everything else, then they should also be the ones that that take care of the thing
0: like Wait, that's i guess that's why we hire judges and shit to make that determination for yeah. us yeah. yeah to speak for the family i guess i don't know anyway again we're not professionals um, but
1: i think he should He should have they should have uh chopped it off like a chicken <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, th- all, all that being said i'm not trying to defend this guy i just play a little devil's advocate and actually i'm anti-death penalty so i would i would not say kill him
1: uh I- I would, I'm anti-death penalty as well, but only because it's not cost
0: effective. <laughs> uh, and the driver jokes, he ends up, he does end up getting caught later down the road. Um, and he has sentenced himself to 22 years in prison for uh, his, his culpability. The other occupants of the car though, they got nothing. The two brothers testified, got nothing. Yeah. I didn't there was understand There were like seven that. people in the car. So let me just, this is what happened. So this is the, the whole story of what happened. According to everybody involved, the entire summation of what this, the situation was. Jokes and little Huero and these two brothers and these other guys were in this white four expedition. And a fellow gang member of them comes up to them where they were in the, in the area and says, hey, I think somebody, you know, on the block over there or whatever was going to try to shoot at me. was going to try to do something to me or whatever. So they go, okay, let's go over there. And let's go check it out. So they go, they go drive around the neighborhood and that's when they come across crystal's brother robbie sitting at the curb in his white ford expedition just hanging out in front of the house so they pull up on the block and stop they're trying to figure out like is this the car is this are they involved in what our buddies just said like what's going on robbie and i believe one of his friends were in the car not knowing what the hell this is going on of course they're part of a lifestyle as well they see this as a potential problem so they flash their brights they don't get a response from the cars they figure fuck this something's going down we're out of here so he tears out of there. Now the, the, the white expedition jokes and the 5150 crew, they think this car must be involved because it's running from us. So they start chasing after it because, you know, ship bags do what ship bags do. So they chased after it. They, Robbie ends up losing them somehow. So they come back to the area. As they come back to the area and stop on that intersection, that's when Belinda and then her other son and Crystal come driving down the street. They see the white expedition stopped. On the street, and I don't know if they thought maybe that could be Robbie's expedition, or if they just weren't sure what the hell was going on. But they slowed down past the car. As they're slowing down past the car, the 5150 crew think it's the rival gang. That's why little Huero reportedly jumped out of the car and started shooting at Crystal's car, the car that Crystal was in, rather, thinking that it was a rival gang that was going to start shooting at them. That's what that was. And then she ends up getting hit with like one of the last rounds. Yeah, shatters the back window and goes through her freaking head. And then they all pull off and. Um, everybody runs and scatters that's what this was it was a a complete misunderstanding wrong place wrong time everybody overreacting not reacting underreacting whatever you have however you have it just an absolute shit show of a mess but at the end it's not that complicated and it wasn't i just yeah i i I, I can't believe this guy turned into a documentary i mean i can't believe it
1: it's and they tried like saying that the mom helped and i'm sure she did in some ways but uh, however it worked out, I, I think it was, it was overdrawn. And it was the way they explained it initially was so overly complicated that I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like, I would have I had to like, draw out what happened to figure it out from what they were saying. Cause I kept writing it down and I'm like, wait, this was in the area, this was out of the area, what, what, what is happening? And then like they slowly explain it. But initially when they were saying how she got killed, it wasn't.
0: Well, and I think what it was, I think what it was is they were purposefully being
1: misleading because they didn't want Robbie to get in trouble because they probably assumed Robbie stole something or dealt something or whatever else.
0: Well, and just the documentary itself just the way it's laid out like they're purposefully not forthcoming with the information at the beginning because they have to you got to watch the end you know what i mean they got they can't yeah. reveal it all at the very beginning so they have to purposely make it more complicated than it needs to be when they're telling the story which is frustrating because when somebody's telling you a story you want it to be like a clear laid out thing that's how stories that's why they're you know what i mean like this isn't a goddamn movie this is a documentary You know what I mean? yeah but anyway Oh, so overall, what did you think about this one? Uh,
1: I give it f- five beers.
0: Five beers. Uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't that long. It actually kind of went by pretty quickly for me. Like I felt like it actually moved by pretty, moved pretty quick. Again, not a lot of like groundbreaking investigative work here. Yeah, I mean, it just it was kind of like a run of the mill. Like, like we said in the previous episode or two episodes ago, or whatever. Like, this kind of story, like we, we hear about this shit all the time around where we're from. Yeah. This wasn't like, like, this shit happens like twice a week <laughs> around here, man. Like this is, there are crazier stories that happen all the time around here. So again, not that these stories should be entertaining or crazy, or whatever, but it's just, that's just the truth. Like,
1: yeah, this wasn't uh wasn't, there was no shocking twist at the end. Right. It was just right. human stupidity and people that were prone to violence behaving violently.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's just shitbaggery across the board. So yeah, yeah I, I think five or six beers, that's that's accurate. That's, yeah, that's
1: if, if it had been longer, I would have said six. I would argue that there's some stretches where I was just like, I wish I'd stopped talking about MySpace and like get back to what's going on. And also I wish I didn't hate Belinda so much. Like I felt bad for her, but on the same note, I was like, you, she, she looks like a long-term drug user. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just if she's that old and she's been using drugs that long, like there's not, there's not really a whole lot of redeeming qualities for her.
0: For for me, I think what it is, it's the, it's the hypocrisy, right? It's the, it's the, it's, it's hard to feel like somebody's a victim when they outwardly and openly admit that they victimize people themselves. Yeah. Like I have a really hard time, like uh, sharing your pain when you're telling us like kind of, in a way, it was almost like the way she said it was almost braggadocious. Like she, she kind of yeah, had like she's a, like, smirk oh, I did a
1: lot of damage. I did a lot did. of
0: damage in Riverside. It's like, so you definitely ruined people's lives as well. Yeah. And it's and really not sad. Sorry about it. Yeah, it's really sad that your daughter died. You don't deserve, like, this not you don't deserve this to happen to you. And your daughter didn't deserve this to happen to her. But at the same time, it's like, I can't feel, I don't feel bad for you. Like I just, I, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't. It's because um, of the shitbaggery. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's just a this was a weird one. I mean, it's you might find it interesting. It's just it's to me it's a strange one. I don't know, I don't know if I'd recommend it or not. I'm kind of like on the fence on this one.
1: Yeah, I, this one like looked so interesting, and then when I was watching, I was like, this just does nothing for me. <laughs> like I thought the whole thing was boring. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah,
0: no, not a fan. Can't all be bangers. So anyway. Nope. As always, make sure you guys subscribe, rate, and review. Check us out on the socials. Facebook, Twitter. Twitter's at ForRealPod. Email is cancelthepodcast at gmail.com. We're not going to announce it yet. We are thinking we might be reaching out to some folks here in the future. Yes. Maybe do some guest spots. But we'll, we'll do some more. Some more. Keep an eye on the socials. We might announce something in a later episode. But... We're looking. We're trying to get some more uh, guest involvement here. I think. Yeah. Uh, we want to. We want to hear from y'all and, and see who wants, who's got any good ideas, wants to be a part of it. Um, we've had a lot of fun with the guests we've had in the past, and we're looking at bringing bringing them back and bringing some new ones on, and and all kinds of stuff. So, we got some things in the works for you folks. But anyway, I'm Special K. Uh, I'm Matt. And we'll see you guys next time. Later.